Welcome to The Way Church Service with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. How's everybody doing tonight? It's great to see everybody. It's nice and comfortable in here, right? What a beautiful day it was. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this beautiful day. Amen. We're just so grateful. I'm so grateful to be here tonight with my family and friends. There's no other place I'd rather be on a Saturday night. Amen. With my brothers and sisters in Christ. All right, we've got a beautiful scripture to start off tonight. Psalm 31, it's on the board. If you get your Bible and turn to it, please. Psalm chapter 31. That Mary put up there for us. The Holy Spirit is going to be taking over right now as he ministers to the brothers and sisters here. So please be attentive to that and vigilant. And not to cause any distractions or disturbances that might interfere with the message that the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight. Amen? Okay. All right, she got verse 22 over there, but we're going to have to back up a little bit. Put it in reverse. All right. Is everybody there? Okay. Let's go to verse 19. How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you or reverence you, or have respect for you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. You hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. You shelter them in your presence, far from accusing tongues. Praise the Lord, for He has shown me the wonders of his unfailing love. He kept me safe when my city was under attack. In panic, I cried out, I am cut off from the Lord. But you heard my cry for mercy and answered my call for help. Verse 23, Love the Lord, all you godly ones. For the Lord protects those who are loyal to him. There's a promise right there. The Lord protects those who are loyal to him. Amen? There's a condition attached to that. A loyal to him. But he harshly punishes the arrogant. Can there be an arrogant believer? Absolutely. Someone who's arrogant and proud in the Christian life can actually get chastened or disciplined by the Lord to humble us, to make us more like Christ. Humble and teachable. Amen? Amen. We could always, we always got to be careful of that. Be strong and courageous. Look at verse 24. All you who put your hope in the Lord. So if we put our hope in the Lord, we have the opportunity to be strong and courageous. Amen? No matter what's going on in our lives. You know the way the world's going and the condition it's in. It's very, you wake up, you don't know what's going on. From one day to the next, amen? But those who know the Lord can stay stable in all things, amen? Especially if they're taught properly how to endure through testings and temptations, and properly taught the Word of God. Amen. That's what this ministry is all about. That was great scripture. And we're going to tie it in. We're going to continue our message of hope tonight. Maybe we will get through it. (laughs) And maybe we won't. It all depends on where the Spirit brings us. Amen. All right. There are many key terms and concepts in Scripture, okay? Like faith, hope, love, joy, grace, peace, pleasing the Lord, etc. that we come across as we read our Bibles. Amen? A lot of them verses. But often these are just vague concepts for many people, okay? The following study is designed to provide a condensed biblical explanation of hope as it is found in the Word of God. 
God is called the God of hope. This means he's the source of all real hope. Okay? If we are going to have hope, confident expectation, it must come from him, for he alone has the power to give it. Amen? Friends, on what have you fixed your hope, brothers and sisters? Okay? Does your life prove it? Has it changed who you are? What you value and what you are doing with your life? Let's give it a little definition, okay? Let me define hope a little bit, biblical hope. Biblical hope is not like, oh, I hope I get to work on time and maybe not make it. Hope is a confident expectation that what he promised will happen, amen? We don't have any doubts in hope. There is no doubt in hope, amen? What is hope? Is it a wishy-washy maybe or a kind of unsure optimism? The modern idea of hope is to wish for, to expect, but without certainty of fulfillment. To desire very much, but with no real assurance of getting your desire. In scripture, according to the Hebrew and Greek words translated by the word hope, and according to the biblical usage, hope is an indication of certainty. Okay, Hope in scripture means a strong and confident expectation. Through archaic today in modern, though archaic today in modern terms, hope is akin to trust and a confident expectation. Hope may refer to the activity of hoping, or to the object hoped for. The content of one's hope, by its very nature, okay, hope stresses two things: futurity and invisibility. It deals with things we can't see or haven't received or both. Okay? In the Bible, hope is never a static or passive thing. Amen? Never. It's dynamic, active, directive, and life-sustaining. This is everywhere obvious as we read the word. If you take a concordance, look up the word hope, and you will find reference after reference pointing out the active results of hope in the lives of those who truly have a biblical hope and live accordingly. Amen? Are you with me so far here? In other words, biblical hope is not an escape from reality, okay, or from problems. It doesn't leave us idle, drifting, or just rocking on the front porch. If our hope is biblical and based on God's promises, it will put us in gear to begin doing His will. Amen? All right. So we're going to start off today in... Hebrews, and tonight I'm confident maybe that we will finish this, because I have another very important message to give that is coming up, and we are going to get to it, Lord willing. All right, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 22. Okay, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Because of what Jesus did for us, we can go into the very presence of God without any guilt or shame or doubt. Can I get an amen for that? We have to understand that religion teaches us that we have to be good, do good, it's not based on our works. It's based on our belief. If we believe in Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit will come and dwell us and start to give us new desires and start to change our lives. It's inevitable. Amen? One day at a time, He makes this process happen. And it's nothing to do on our part. It's everything on His part as we learn Scripture. Come to Bible study. Read the Bible. We start to change the way we think. Amen? That's what it's designed to do. Look at verse 22. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. Now, we all understand, in order for us to trust somebody, we have to get to know them. We're not going to trust somebody we don't know. You're not going to um, tr give the keys to your car to a stranger and, and trust that he's going to bring the car back after he drives off. Right? You're not going to give him the keys, obviously, right? So really, you're not going to trust God with things in your life and problems, unless you get to know who He is. Can I get an amen for that? 
And the only way we're going to get to know who he is by reading the Word of God. See, the Word of God is not difficult and not hard to read. The Holy Spirit, as you read from Genesis to Revelations, will reveal God's character to you from whether you ever picked up the Bible before or not. It doesn't really matter. He will speak to your heart. Amen? That's what it's all about. That's God's character revealed through the Bible. Now, if we trust Him, once we start trusting Him, we start turning our lives over to Him more and more. Like we put Him in charge of our relationships. We put Him in charge of our, our job in, the, in our mouth. What comes out of this mouth of ours, we trust God. We say, I'm going to keep quiet. I'm going to let God handle this. Amen? Like the Bible says. Not very easily done, right? That's why it has to be through the Spirit, right? We can't do this in the flesh. We all try to be good, but we can't be good. That's why we need a Savior. See, if we could be good, we wouldn't need Jesus. And it's a very humbling thing to say, I can't do it. I can't overcome my, this sin nature of mine. There's something inside me that always makes me want to do something that's wrong and feel good about it. And that's just the way the devil is. He tempts us to do wrong and make us feel good doing it. God's the total opposite. See, when you start coming to God, when we start doing the right thing in the flesh, it doesn't give us any relief. We think we're actually getting something taken off of us. But he's actually taking things away from us to give us life that's been holding us back for so long. Amen? We just don't realize it yet, and it takes a while to understand that principle. Some people never get it. All right, now listen. This is, a, this is, let's go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trust in Him. We're all a work in progress. For our guilty consciences. Now you know it as well as I do. When you do something wrong, you feel guilty and shameful. And even after you become a believer, when we do things wrong, we still feel guilty and shameful and not wanting to come to God because we think he's not upset with us. Because the world um, bases its um, relationship with us on our performance. But the, God doesn't base our, our relationship with him on our performance. He bases our relationship with him on our faith. And if we trust and believe him, because he knows that we can't do it. So when we come to him, we don't have to come in shame. We get convicted as a believer but never from guilt, because guilt doesn't bring us closer to God. Guilt takes us away from God. And the devil makes us feel guilty. Oh, you think that you believe in Jesus. You think you're a believer. Look at the way you just act. Look at the way you just treated that person. He said, yeah, no kidding. That's why I need a Savior. Devil beat it. I can't do it. And so our guilty consciences get wiped away. But that's a process. I've been walking with the Lord quite a few years now, and the devil sometimes tries to get me with guilt. Because none of us are perfect, thought, word, and deed. Right? Now look what it says. Our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Okay? And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Now what water are they talking about? Are they talking about going in the shower? No. We're washed through the water of the Word of God. So you have to keep it in context. People get this all crazy. Then people say, you got to go in a baptismal tank and get dunked in water to get free of your sins. And water can never take away the stain of your sins. There is no, there is no remission of sins without the shedding of blood, the Bible says. Don't you wish that you could just take a shower and wash you clean of all that's going on inside of you? Don't you wish that would happen? But it doesn't. It all it does is wet, make you wet. So just understand that the water they're talking about is the word of God. And a lot of, a lot of places take, oh, you've got to get dunked in the water to be saved. That's only a, a living example, a testimony that you are. It doesn't do anything. There's no hocus pocus involved in getting dunked. Okay? You have to understand that. So don't worry. I'm not going to make you jump in the river. Okay? Now look what it says. Look at verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. You know why we have trust issues? Because people never do. People always break their promises. So we think God's going to do the same thing. Can I get an amen? amen. We have to understand that. That we, we, we put God on a, like a human point of view. 
He's not human. When he says something and he promises it, it's going to happen. Can I get an amen for that? Look, he promised, he promised that somebody's going to sit on the throne of David for eternity, even though David messed up. And he did. He put Jesus on the throne forever. A descendant of King David. So we have to understand it's not based on our performance. Thank God. Because if it was, none of us are coming back to church. If we think that we're saved based on our performances, you might as well leave now because we all fail today. Thought, word, and deed. None of us are perfect, right? Thank God it's through His grace and mercy that we can keep coming before Him. We don't use it as a license to keep doing it. We use the power of His grace to stop. But it takes a while to stop. we got this infection inside of us that keeps festering and wants to go back and back and back. Even after we get saved, even more. Because now that we're, we're trying to walk in the light, the darkness wants to come and take us over again. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. Am I the only one that goes through this? Whew, thank you. Whew. All right, I thought I was all alone here for a minute. All right, thank you, Jesus, for giving me brothers and sisters that go through the same thing. Thank God there's no Pharisees in the house tonight. We don't need any of them. There's plenty of them out there. We don't need them in here. Okay. Now look what it says in verse 23. Is everybody with me so far? All right. This is going to get better. Trust me. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God be trusted to keep his promise. Look at verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And look at verse 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, I don't know when that day is. The Bible never tells us when. He just tells us to be ready for when it does come. Amen? But the way you see things out there right now, it seems like his return is getting closer because the more people are rejecting God and everything that the Bible said is going to happen is starting to take place. Okay? You just don't know exactly when but we should be ready, and now's the time for us to shine. Now's the time for Christians to shine in the light because there's so much darkness out there. Okay? It's, it's easy to live in the light now, and it's easy to show a difference, but unfortunately, Christians are not showing that much of a difference right now. They're blending in. But this church isn't going to do that, is it? We're not going to blend in. We don't accept that. That's why we come here, to get a reprieve from that kind of stuff. And get plugged back in. That's why it tells us not to neglect it. It's crucial that we meet together. Because we're strength in numbers. Right? Just think of a... I use this analogy all the time. When you watch one of them animal shows. When there's a lion going to hunt the wild beast. The wildebeest. Right? He doesn't go after the one in the middle. He goes after the one that's lagging behind the pack. Right? It's the same thing with the Christian life. The devil goes after the weak ones. They're not coming to church. They're not going to read in the Bible. And he picks them off. And he brings them back into the darkness. Because they have no power. Amen? But when we're here together, we have all the power. One body, many parts. And we all function together. We get in this. This is what our hope is. We can't do it alone. They say it when I'm at work all the time. I can't wait to go to church. You got to deal with all the issues and the people and everything going on. I can't wait to come to church to get plugged back in. The world drains me of my spirituality. Yeah. I have to come back here and back here. Just like recharging the phone. That's why we have to keep coming back and back and back. Or else, or else what? We lose power. We have a power shortage. An outage. The flesh comes back, alive and well, right? All our things come back. Our thinking comes back. Look, close your Bible, stop coming to church for a week. And see what you're thinking happens when you're thinking again. Already the devil's got you. You're already thinking fleshly. You're already thinking selfishly. You're all saying, I don't deserve this, and I don't this, and I don't that. And I can see it. It happens all the time. I feel bad for shipwrecked Christians. They don't really understand the word of God because they've never been taught properly. And they walked away from the church and they actually walked away from God because some ignorant person taught them wrong stuff. But it's not God's fault for human failure. The Bible never is never wrong. 
people fail. We're not to look at the people. We're to look at the Bible. There's no perfect. The church is a hospital for healing people. There's no perfect people in church. When you look for perfection in here, you become a Pharisee. You become legalistic and self-righteous. We come in here broken. And God's putting us back together little by slow. Amen? There ain't nobody above anybody in here. We're all equal. Thank God. The world puts everybody on pedestals, right? God puts us all on the same level. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. We can take the church, we can take the church face off and to be goody-goody because we know none of us are. All of us have evil lurking inside of us. We can be okay here, right? We can be, just breathe, it's okay. It's okay you didn't perform well today, okay? It's all right. I didn't either, okay? He did. He did all the performing. Because anything I did that was good came from him, not from me. And anything bad I did didn't come from him. And I'm not going to blame God for my bad behavior and selfishness. And I'm not going to blame the devil either. It's my own desires that put me in that trap. The devil never makes us do anything. He simply tempts us and we carry it out. It's not God's fault and it's not the devil's fault. It's ours. You can blame the devil all you want. He never puts a gun to your head to make you do anything. You make the choice. <laughs> that makes us humble. Say, wow, I made some bad choices today. The devil got me. All right. Now look what it says. Dear friends, look at verse 26. If we deliberately... Now, there's a difference between deliberately sinning and sins of weakness, okay? None of us are perfect, we all fall short. But it's saying if they're deliberate. If they're outright rebellious against God, saying, I know God doesn't want me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's deliberate, okay? We have to understand that. But if we fall into a weakness, it's not deliberate. I, don't, I, I wanted to do it, but I couldn't. I just fell into a moment of weakness. Thank God for your grace and mercy. Amen? Amen? But when we deliberately know that God is telling us, no, don't do that, and we deliberately do it, then there's a problem for Christians. They get disciplined. And sorry to tell you that don't blame God for you being disobedient. Look what it says. If we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins or ease our guilty conscience. You see, if you deliberately do it, the blood of Jesus doesn't cover them sins because we understand that we did it deliberately. So we still feel guilt and shame and condemnation. Amen? That's what it is. That's what it means. There is only terrible, look at verse 27, the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemy. Can a believer become God's enemy? Absolutely. By deliberately disobeying him. Listen, people think that they're saved and going to heaven and being disobedient, that God's not going to do anything about it. Wrong. He will. He chastens his children. Because he loves them and wants them to get back on the right track again. Look what it says. Because you know what it does? It, you know, it's because of sin that we were separated from him. When we continue sinning after we get saved, it separates us from God again. Look what it says. For anyone, look at verse 28. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death. Right? Spiritual death. Remember the Old Testament, right? They said if you disobeyed your parents, you were, they stoned you. That's how strict it was. Thank God we don't have that anymore. Thank God we're under a new covenant now. We're under God's grace, a new covenant, right? The God of love. Now look what it says. Without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy as if it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God mercy to us. It's saying, what he's saying is, how much worse it's going to be for somebody who knows God and deliberately does it than it was of somebody that, that did it and never knew God. It's even more severe. 
So believers don't get away with it. They get more discipline. I don't know where Christians get the wrong idea about sinning. The Bible never tells us that we get away with sin. Jesus died for our sins, and he gives us the grace to change and not do it anymore. That's what his grace and mercy is for. Not to continue in it and saying, oh, I'm disobeying God. I'm locked in and I'm going to heaven. It doesn't work that way. Can I get an amen for that? Thank you. God, let me tell you something. God is a God of justice. And he wants his children to live right and obey him. Amen? And he does whatever he has to do to make that happen. That's a big amen, right? So I'd rather just listen to the word and obey it. Than what the, they say I'd rather be led by the eye of the word of God than the rod. Either way, he's going to have his way with us. <laughs> All right, now, look at verse 30. For we know the one who said, I will take revenge. I will pay them back. Deuteronomy 32, 35, he's quoting there. He also said, the Lord will judge his own people. Do I, do I get any amen for that? The Lord judges his own people. You see it? His own people. Deuteronomy 32, 36. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Think back in those early days when you first learned about Christ or when you were first enlightened. Remember how you remained faithful? Even though it meant terrible suffering, sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown in jail, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. Amen? So don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. What is it? Living right brings great reward down here. It gives us peace of mind and heart. See, when you're doing the right thing, there's joy in it. You're saying, oh, man, I'm doing the right thing. I'm living right. I'm in God's will. Even though I'm not perfect, you get freedom from what? Your guilt and the sin nature. That's what we get free of, our sin nature. It's what's old and it's in bondage. Can I get an amen? Listen. Trying to help you here so you don't fall into the trap that a lot of churches let the believers fall into. Don't worry about it. Keep doing the wrong thing. You're going to heaven. God knows you're just dust. Yeah, you were dust before you were born again. Once you're born again, you belong to Jesus, and he gives you the power to overcome now. Don't ever mistake in that. And let me tell you something. If you th don't, let, don't let be deceived by anybody that tells you different. You will get disciplined as God's children because he loves you. Amen? Love is not some wishy-washy feeling. Read the God of love in the Bible. He loves us enough to do whatever it takes to get us back on course. And thank you, Jesus, for that. Amen? All right. Uh, now look what it says in verse 36. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all he has promised. So what do we need? Patient endurance. Look, God timing and our timing is very different he works at his own pace okay god knows exactly when and what he's going to do and the bible says he goes before us and a lot of us are very impatient as christians can i get an amen thinking all right i come to church i prayed why isn't things happening listen they are happening but not in your timing trust god he said he will make it come through and he will if it's in his will amen sometimes god says no a lot of us have a problem with somebody saying no. Some of us can't take no for an answer, even as Christians. Sometimes God says no. And does he have to explain why? No. He doesn't have to. Remember, he created you. You don't create him. Amen? That's the God that loves us. Thank you, God. Now look what it says. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. 38. And my righteous ones... We'll live by what? Good things? No, by faith. Listen, you become, God gives us his righteousness so we can do the right thing. And the only way that happens is if we live by faith, not by the flesh. The flesh cannot be righteous. The flesh is unrighteous. That's why we need a savior. Can I get an amen for that? How many of us try to do this in the flesh? Still, try to be good. You get up in the morning. All right, Lord, I'm going to be good today. I promise I'm not going to get mad at anybody. I'm going to be nice. 
I'm not going to swear. I'm going to be good. And the next thing you know, you're cussing like so, like a like a fisherman, and you and you and you're flipping people off because you can't do it. The more you try to make a law out of something, the more power it has for you to do it. Right? Like I say, the sign comes up, wet paint. You would have never touched it if it didn't say that. It says wet paint, and then you end up touching it. Why? Because law gives sin power. Why can't I touch it? Why this? Why do I have to drive 55? Look, the law says 55, but that sign doesn't have any power for you to obey it. Amen? The power, the sign doesn't give you power. The law doesn't give you power. God gives you power to his love. Amen? Because you love somebody, you drive 55. Why? So nobody gets hurt. You see? Why do I get to drive 55 miles an hour? Because that's the safest, safest speed to travel on the highway where if something happens, has less of a chance of hurting myself or others. So that's why you do it. Not because the sign says to do it, because you love and you don't want to see other people get hurt. And then when you don't obey it, what happens? Kick it, right? So I'm a Christian. I'm a lawless Christian. I don't have to be the law. I'm under God's grace. Oh, yeah, well, you go 70 miles an hour as a Christian on the highway and tell me you're not getting a ticket. This is what lawless Christians live like. Oh, I'm under the law. I'm under grace. Foolishness Christians live by. No, you go, when the cop rolls the window down, hi, officer, I'm a Christian. I don't live by the law. Oh, that's nice. Well, here's a ticket. You're going to go to court. How's that? How's that law? And this is what Christians do. I don't recycle. I'm a Christian. I don't have to obey the law. No, recycling's good for the for the world. It's good to put you to participate in that. Amen. It's nonsense. We're supposed to obey the government and the laws around us, as long as they're not taking us from God or worshiping Him. Christians think they have some kind of end down here. As a matter of fact, the more you try to <laughs> the more you try to be a Christian down here, the more out you are. So it's very good to be obedient. Please, don't be lawless like Christians. Oh, we don't have to do that. We're grace believers. We're under, not under law. We can do whatever we want. Oh, okay, go rob the bank then see if you go to jail. This is what Christians actually think that. Can I get any amen for that? We know better than that here, don't we? Okay. <laughs> oh, the righteous ones will live by their faithfulness. And look what it says. But I will take no pleasure to anyone who turns away. Now, where's that coming from? It's coming from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. You see it? What does it say? Those who turn away to, from God. What happens if you turn away from God? What does it say in the Bible? Do I have to keep going? It says, to your own destruction. Look, you can walk away from God all you want. But it's only going to be to your own destruction. Can I get an amen? As a believer, once you're saved and the Holy Spirit comes in you, He's not letting you go. Once you're in, you're in. You can destroy yourself as a Christian. Guess what He never takes away? Our free will. You can do whatever you want. You can do the right thing, which God, Jesus delivered us so we can. Or you can do the wrong thing and get chastened. We don't get away with anything as a Christian. Amen? We actually have an opportunity to do right. The, look what it says. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Go to Hebrews chapter 4 now. Let's stay in Hebrews. Are we getting what I'm trying to say tonight? Are we? I hope so. I'm preaching my heart out to you because it's important to understand that we will be obedient not only to God, but to the government too, if they're not trying to take us away from God. Amen? It's for our own good and benefit. Because remember the Bible says, who puts people in office and takes them out? God does. God takes them in and takes them out. Who puts the borders out? God puts them up. Who's supposed to protect the border? The people that he gives the borders to. Amen? We're supposed to protect each other. <laughs> All right, let's go to Hebrews 4. Look at verse 1. The promise of rest for God's people. How many of us just want 
just relax. Just want some rest. We're always in constant turmoil. All the time, you know. Even when we're sitting down, you go home, say, I'm going to sit down, I want to relax. You know, five or ten minutes goes by with nothing on. You can't even relax. You feel like you're unproductive. I have something I got to do. There's something I'm, you can't even sit still. God said, whoa, slow down. I want to give you some rest. Relax. How many of us need that? Well, the Bible says we can, there's a place for us. He gives us that. Look what it says. God's promise, look at verse 1, of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. Look, he says, I'm going to give you my rest, but you can fail to experience it. Look what it says. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. Remember the promised land? They said, look, if you trust and have faith in me, I want to bring you in the land of promise, full of milk and honey and peace and joy and bliss forever. What did they do? There was giants in the land that they had to conquer first. Just like there's giants in our hearts that we have to conquer first before we can get to that place of rest. Okay, get an amen. And we need him to help conquer that. Because it says we're more than conquerors in Christ. All right? But it did them no good. Now, some manuscripts read that they didn't combine what they heard with faith. Okay? For only we who believe can enter his rest. Listen, if you don't believe it, you'll never get the rest. See, it's unbelief that keeps us from all the things that the Bible promises us. Amen? It's unbelief. Now, look what it says. This is beautiful. For only who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. And where did he, where did he quote? Psalm 95 verse 11. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. Remember on the seventh day? God, what did he God do at that seventh day? He rested. He actually made the Sabbath for us so we could rest. Remember? And what did they do? They made a law out of it. You can't help somebody on the Sabbath. It's like, that's not why he gave us rest. He gave us rest from our labor. So we don't have to be in turmoil with them. Let me just keep reading here. I get excited about this because, because we don't enter the rest. Why don't Christians enter that rest? It's unbelief. Look what it says. We know it is ready because of the place in Scripture where it's mentioned the seventh day, verse 4, on the seventh day God rested from all his work. Genesis 2.2. 2. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest, Psalm 95.11. So why didn't they enter his rest? Because they didn't obey him. Very simple. Well, and even, how do I know that? Because it says it in the Bible. Pretty simple. Look what it says. They will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter it because they disobeyed or didn't trust God. So God set another time for enterers his rest, and that time is today. Guess what? He's given that to us now. The ones who failed to enter the promised land, we can have the promised land. And the promised land today is a spiritual promised land. It's a state of mind. When everything is going okay, no matter what's going on, you are stable, right? There's peace, there's joy, everything, because God is in control God's plotted it before me. I trust him with my life, and everything's going to be okay. Get it? That's the promised land. Don't you want some of that now? We come to church, we read the Bible, and we still have no rest. We're still in turmoil. We need to get there because we have to what? Be obedient and trust what we're reading. Amen? And obey it. Trust and obey. There's no better way to be happy in Jesus. Because you see a lot of miserable Christians... They're not happy because they can't enter that rest. Get it? Because they're still doing their will. But guess what? God's hopes is no. You're going to get there. Listen, the sooner the better. You want that rest now? Because once we get to heaven, there's going to be rest. But guess what? We can have some of that now. I want it now. We might not get to heaven for another 20, 30 more, 40 more years. Don't we're going to be in turmoil for that much longer? No, I'd rather just trust and obey and have some of that rest now. 
Especially now that I'm getting up in age. You know, I want, I want some peace. Please. You hear me every day, right? Every time the daily walk. God bless. Peace. Because we need it. I need some peace. Peace of mind. Peace of heart. Our hope is in the living God. Amen. Other than that, there is no hope. There is no hope for us any other way. Okay, you with me so far? Let's keep going here. Because they didn't trust God. So look what it says, verse 7. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Psalm 95, 7-8. What is a hard heart? A hard heart is a closed mind. That's what it is. A hard heart is a closed mind. Not accepting what God is saying and being disobedient. That's what it means. There's different ways, there's different meanings for different scriptures in different contexts. Now listen what it says. Now if Joshua, remember Joshua? Had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. Okay? So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. Us. For all who have entered into God's rest has rested from their what? Labor. They're content. That's what, that's what rest is. Rest is contentment. You know what I'm talking about, right? Just being content. You get up in the morning, I'm content. I'm not reaching. I'm not searching. I'm not in turmoil. I'm just content. Whatever's going on, I'm okay. Isn't that awesome to have that? Wouldn't you love that stability in your life right now? But right now, guess what? Our life's not really stable. But we can still have stability even though things are like this. Because I'm going to trust God. He goes ahead of me. He's going to do it. He said I can put my hope and confidence in Him and He'll come through and I can have that rest right now. Hallelujah, right? Nobody else can give us that promise but what? The one who created us. Whew, I can use some of that, right? How about you? All of us want some of that, right? Even though, you know what I'm talking about. We're Christians and we still don't get it. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. I get rest. I want rest. Back in the day, the seventh day, remember Sunday? Everything used to be closed. They even America recognized the day of rest. But everybody stayed home, the families got together, had a nice meal, and you couldn't even get gas. Everything was closed. They recognized the importance of the day of rest. Even not, this, this country was founded on biblical principles. That's why there's a church on every corner for a reason. Now they're trying to take them all out. No wonder why everything's falling apart. Because he's the only one that can hold it together. You take, out the, you take out the one that's holding it together, everything's going to fall apart, of course. God's the one that holds this nation together. You want to take God out, the nation's going to fall apart. Look at the, look at the past nations that, that, that rejected God. Right? What happened to them? They got disciplined from other countries. You think it's not going to happen here? Oh, it's coming. It's coming. Thank God that we got a better homecoming. Believe me. Because things aren't going to get better here. They're going to get worse. And the only way Christians have to be ready for when those days come, when it gets worse, when we need to stay strong and together. Because I'm telling you what, it's going to be hard for Christians to live pretty soon. Because the principles of the Bible are getting taken out of this country. And it's going to be harder to live by these principles. You're going to get shut down and ostracized. You're not going to be able to function out there because you're not doing the stuff they want to do. They want you to do. Don't worry, it's not no chip. It's the way you live that you're not going to be able to function out there because to do God's will, you're going to have to reject all that and you're going to get rejected for it. Can I get an amen for that? We have to be ready. That's what this church is all about, getting us ready for when them times come that we can stay strong and solid through it and stable. Stability is what we need, okay? Don't hide in your hearts. Now, if Joshua, verse 8, had succeeded in giving this rest, God would have not spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there's a special rest still to come for God's people. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labor or content, just as God did after created the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, listen now, here's the warning. 
If we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. The offer still stands. You want to get into that rest, you have to be obedient. It works together, amen? Okay. For the word of... Look at verse 12. The word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's why sometimes I'll be preaching a message and you'll get all twisted inside because God is confronting you with something and you're getting all miserable about it because it's hitting you with something that you're doing wrong. So you get mad at me. But it's really the word of God cutting you. Look what it says. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. You can't hide from God, right? You can't go, God can't see me. He sees everything. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm not going to go to church. Nobody knows what I'm doing. It's dark. I can get away with anything. Hello, God sees everything. He's inside you. you believe is it? Because darkness is when everybody wants to go out, right? Nothing good happens at night, right? Everything gets dark is when people come out and do the nasties, right? They don't do it during the day. They wait till it gets dark. Christians do the same thing. I wait till I'm alone. Nobody's around. Nobody sees me. Then I can do my unchristian stuff. And then come back to church again and say, Oh, hallelujah, I love Jesus. They say, What a bunch of hypocrites. What a bunch of hypocrites. That's what integrity is. This builds integrity saying, I'm John here, I'm John at home, and I'm John when I'm alone. That's why, that's why the unbelieving world don't want to do with Christianity. Because they see what they're like when they're not in church. They say, what's the difference? I can't tell the difference. No, this church wants to show a difference, amen? And if those don't want to show a difference, we'll end up leaving. I, we can't keep them, because if you don't stay, you don't belong. Because I don't want to live right. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. The Bible tells us to do the right thing, because it's the right thing to do, amen? And you want to do the right thing, because now you're born again. You're born again with the Spirit of God, not the Spirit of the devil. And those who aren't born again will never do the right thing. Because they can't, because they're not born again. Now, look what it says. I'm almost done here. So let us do our best. It's alive and powerful. Look at verse 13. Nothing in creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And guess who? And he's the one whom we're accountable to. Amen? Look at verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. This is, the, this is Jesus. This is the Jesus that we need to get the relationship with, okay? The Jesus, not the fake Jesus that people talk about. This Jesus. This Jesus, it says right here, look, this high priest of ours knows our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, Yet he did not sin. Okay? So he knows what we go through. So let us come boldly. What does boldly mean? When you come boldly, that means you come humbly. Boldness is humbleness. Boldly, humbly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. And we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. Amen? That's the Jesus. That, he's our advocate. He's an awesome, look, he's my best, Jesus is my best friend. You mention Jesus out there, they know how to, they know his name, they use it the wrong way, right? Everybody knows Jesus Christ, but they use it wrong. But they use it all the time, his name. And, but in vain, how do they know that name so well and use it to do so bad? It's because the devil has control of them. You see, we don't even Here's know. What I found on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> they found some of them, the devil. <laughs> Imagine, and, this, and, the, and the mute is on. That's the devil, right? You want to find something on the internet, you'll find it, or it'll find you. <laughs> right? Now, my phone is on, on, what do you call it? Do not disturb, where nothing can get enter, and it just came on. 
So tell me that's not the principalities and powers of the air. Something we can't see. <laughs> All right, let's go. A couple more scriptures here. We're going to finish tonight. We're going to, we're going to start a new study next time we get together. So let's go to Romans 15. We'll keep you a couple of minutes here. We've got an awesome message coming up. Verse, uh, Romans 15, go to verse 4. And like just what happened about that, like I said, the devil and spiritual warfare, that's what we're going to be talking about next time. We're going to talk about how the devil uses what he does. How, oh, it's awesome. Believe me, God spoke to me on this. I got some really good stuff on this. It's going to, we're going to be jumping off our chairs next week. Trust me. Thank you, Jesus. I'll give you a little highlight of that. I'll give you a little taste of what's coming. All right? It's going to be awesome. Spiritual warfare. Romans 15, look at verse 4. Why is it important for us to read our Bibles? Look at verse 4. Such things were written in the Scriptures long ago. Why were they written? To teach us. There's people that tell you that you don't have to read the whole Bible. There's actually churches telling you that the Old Testament, you don't need to read it. It's just as important for us to read that book. It says it's there to teach us. People, Christians, I'll tell you, churches, they, they, they got their own agendas instead of God's agenda to teach his people the word of God from cover to cover, amen? That's what's important. Never mind all the fluffy stuff they get involved with. It has nothing to do with spiritual warfare. Look what it says. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope. That's why there's Christians with no hope. Because they don't read the scriptures. The scriptures are what give us the hope. If you're not reading your Bible, you're not getting any hope. Can I get any amen? That's why I stress this, believer. Give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. May God, who gives this patient and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other. As is fitting. Look, we're supposed to live in harmony with each other. Why? As is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then, all of us can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, let's see what it says in verse 7. Accept each other. See it? Just as Christ has accepted you. So that God will be given glory. Amen? Romans 15. Stay in 15. Go to verse 13. The last one. We're going to close right here. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. How many wants to get... You want to get filled with joy completely, with joy and peace? How many of us want that? We all want to be filled with joy and peace, right? Look what it says. We'll fill you with completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. That's what fills us, our trust. Okay? Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Listen, that's what gives us a hope. Right here, our faith and our trust is what gives us the confident hope that things are going to be okay. No matter what's going on in our lives. Amen? All right. All right. We're done, my friend, tonight. Thank you for letting me share that with you. So important. Thank you. Listen, just trust God. He's going to take care of us. And He's going to empower us to get the job done. All right. Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we're going to close. Thank you.
want to come close us? Yes. Thank you. Bobby's going to come close us in prayer. Follow ahead, please, fellow Christians. All merciful, loving God. We praise and honor and worship you. We come to your house because we love you, Heavenly Father. Your name is above all names. Yes, Lord. You are the true and living God. There are no other gods. And thank you for this word we heard this afternoon, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this place of worship. Thank you for everything in our lives, Heavenly Father, meeting our needs, getting us here safely, Heavenly Father. And let us have a good week out there, Heavenly Father. Yes, Lord. Hold your mighty hand over us. Keep us safe, Heavenly Father. Yes, Lord. we meet again. And Heavenly Father, this weekend, we honor fathers. Yes, Lord. And I am one of them, Heavenly Father. <laughs> Heavenly Father, the fathers on this planet are not like you, Heavenly Father. You will never leave us nor forsake us, Heavenly Father. People let us down, but you never have and never will. Amen. And Heavenly Father, until we meet again, give us travel and directions. And we pray these things in the first name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. And all I'll say, Amen. 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 Thanks, Bobby. I want to wish everybody a happy Father's Day tomorrow. Guys, just relax. Enjoy it. We definitely need it. God bless. Until we meet again. Peace. Peace.